Let's get down and dirty and keep it moving. Let's get down and dirty and keep it moving. Let's get down and dirty. Keep it moving. Hey, y'all, it is your girl, the tea teacher. I know, y'all. I wanted to do my little jingle that's going to be um, put on every time I do a book review, an interview, or anything of the sort, y'all. So let me know what y'all think about it. If I should go something totally different, leave me a comment. Send me an um, audio message on pod, my podcast on Anchor. Let me know what's going on. But without further ado, y'all. I read this book called The Boy Who Carried Bricks. It was a true story. And the author's name is Alton or Alton Carter. And let me tell you, when I read this book, it brought tears to my eyes. And before I even get started on this book, this amazing book review, y'all, to all the kids in DHS custody, to all the kids that you think the parents don't want you, To all the kids that have been physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally abused, depressed, suicidal. You have someone out there in this world that loves you more than anything. And yes, sometimes it feels like our family is not there. Feels like our friends are not there. But there is people out there that just want to give you all their love. And yes, we might have to go through channels and hills and valleys and lakes and rivers and ponds and creeks to find them. But once we do, cherish them because they probably have been through the same thing just as you. So let's get into this book review. So like I said, the title of this book is called The Boy Who Carried Bricks. And when I tell y'all I read this book and I was so amazed because... Here is a family of five, a mother that started having kids that thought she can find love in every man that whispers sweet nothings in her ear, told her that she was beautiful, told her that they was going to pay her bills for her and take care of her and her kids and blase, blase, but then eventually turn around and only thing they want to do is try to show that dominance and be abusive to her and her children. Now, men and women, I'm not saying that every person is like that, but you do got some vicious people out there that just don't care about who they abuse. Long as they show that I'm that dominance, I'm the head, I am in control, I am the brute, I am the warden, that's all they want to establish in the household. But Alton, he had an older brother, he had himself. He had two twins, a sister, and a, a brother and a sister, and then the youngest sibling was a baby boy. Now, the mother did all she could. She found this man that told her all these lies. And he told her that he would do the world for her. He had a little house. Lied to her. Now, these young kids, Alton and his brother and his twins, but the baby Dijon was still uh, too young to go play. They would go, they would go blocks where the train track is in Stillwater and throw rocks at the train, 
cards as it goes by. Typical kids. Okay, or put pennies on the railroad tracks to see if they can bend over. Typical kids. But eventually they started doing things even worse when they was putting rocks on top of the rails and having the trains to run over them. Well, nobody never called them because why? The mother never did take time out of her so-called busy day to come check up on the kids. I'm a mother of three, and let me tell you, as this day, I'm still checking up on our kids, and they're grown. But these were young babies. Anything could have happened to them, and she never took time out of the checkup on them. Well, one day, the mom's boyfriend was driving past, I guess, going home from the supermarket or whatever the case may be, and saw the kids, and they saw him, and they hauled butt to the house. Boy, they was running. But when they got there, he was there waiting with a black belt in his hand. Now, all kids know, when your parent or parents got a belt in their hand, you know you about to get your skin a tad a different color. First, it was Alton. They got a, um, a, a whooping, as he called it, a beating. It probably was. And then his older brother got a whooping and he said to see his brother get a whooping he said that hurt him the most because to see that happen and he said that his mom was standing in the doorway and she never said a word never did at all. But, hey, you just got beat and your brother's getting beat. And everybody that came by said, oh, we're going to tell your parents. We're going to tell your mom. And then he said, I don't remember my mom. Quote, I don't remember my mom once coming to check on us. As I said before. At all. Not at all. Lavelle, which was, and still is, his older brother, yelled for the mom as Ray grabbed me by my arm and began lashing me on my lower legs and butt. I ran around in the circle screaming as he held me in one hand and used the other to whip me. After a few good licks, Ray stopped and called for my brother. Lavelle had retreated to the porch. He started towards Ray, and I saw Mom standing just behind the back door. Why doesn't she do anything to stop him, I wonder? Well, the mom wanted love. She thought that if she stood by him, and he was going to do what he said. But time went on, and all of a sudden, then he was not only just beating on the kids, he was beating on her. And she couldn't take it no more. She was done with it. She was through she managed to get her kids in the car and drive halfway back to her hometown, which was in Stillwater. And a, a car broke down, but nobody was stopped to help a black lady with her children on the side of a highway walking. Crazy, right? I know. Well, time kept going and went back to Stillwater and, you know, parents, um, 
good parents try and they do succeed for their children in cases like this, but this mother in this particular book, she didn't try. She was, a ro she was in a roach-infested apartment or a house. She got addicted on hospital medication, pain pills. She was passed out. She only woke up at nighttime to go and satisfy other men. She wasn't taking care of her children. She wasn't being the responsible parent as she should be. And I know y'all gonna say, well, maybe, you know, she's been through a lot. No. If you know that you can't take care of one child, don't keep pursuing on having more of the children that you can't take care of. And that's what she should have thought, but she didn't. And they told the kids, you can tell when a child has been abused, they're dirty, they stink, they're hungry, they don't have no food, da 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 And they went to school with dirty clothes, got teased. Alton had a gap in his teeth that he was afraid or ashamed to smile. And DHS came on several occasions and saw the condition that these children were living in and never did once step in to help at all. And Alton was such, all of them were such troubled children, but he didn't tell nobody. He was just, you know, acted up in class, a bad student in class, grades was going down and everything like this. And his brother, LaVell, which is the oldest brother, and he was the second, was getting into trouble and things like that. You had the two twins, and then you had the baby, baby boy, Dijon. And his teacher couldn't take him acting out in class no more. She was like, I'm done, I'm through, get out. I don't understand what's going on. But there was one teacher. They came out and she, dad, he missed all his recess. And she was like, well, you're not going outside today, Alton. Do you know why that um, you're not going to, to your recess? And he didn't care. He didn't care. <laughs> At all. He just did not want anyone to know what was going on. And her name was Miss Thompson. Miss Thompson tried and tried and tried, and she never did give up. And you know how young kids get there thought, oh, because I'm this or because I'm that, that's the reason why you don't like me. But it was just an excuse. And he, she had to prove to him. Once he said, oh, you just don't like me and you being me because I'm black. And she said, oh, my God. She had to walk out because that was wrong, 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 wrong. And then the next day or that same day, the car pulls up while they're playing outside. And guess who it was? It was Miss Thompson. She came with her husband. And when he got out, Alton was so, so shocked because why her husband was an African-American male. See, sometimes in life we have people <clears throat> coming in and out of our lives, but sometimes we have people in our lives for a long haul. And even though we try to make them leave us alone and do things to get us get them out of our lives, that does not work. Well, time kept going on and on, and the mom still was addicted to these hospital pills and don't know what kind of pills they were, but whatever they were, they made her pass out on her kids. The electricity wasn't even hardly on. They didn't have no food to eat. They didn't have no clean clothes. They didn't have no gas. When it was cold, it was cold. When it was hot, it was hot. She did not care. And for all the mothers out there that can't have kids, that want kids, 
these type of mothers right here is the ones that mess it up because they can have kids and don't want them and continue to keep on having them having and abusing them when people out here in this world that wants kids and can't have kids. But let's keep moving. So finally, Lavelle and Dijon, Lavelle and Alton took it upon themselves as they did on an everyday basis to take care of their younger siblings to get in the bath. They put the two twins in the front, in the back, what Dijon was in the front. And his twin sister twirls around. You know how kids are playing in the bathtub, twirls around, and she grabs the handle of the faucet in the bathtub and turns it on the hot. Mind you, the baby's in the front. Scald him back with big old huge blisters on his left side. They ran in there and woke the mother up. She's up frantically. Oh, my baby, oh, my baby. Took the baby to the hospital and DHS was called. DHS walked in and went back there with her and came out talked to the kids and said, what was going on? And they're children. They're going to tell the truth. They're, they're innocent. What's the sense of lying? He was, Alton was so scared that his baby brother was hurt that he was going to be in trouble for what had happened that was just a simple accident. And boy, let me tell you, when they let the mother and the kids go home, his mother was outrageously upset, furious, and said, what happens in the house you do not tell? You keep it to yourself. Well, I guess DHS got tied up and they came over and did weekly or monthly checks or whatever, and this time they took the kids. They placed them with his grand their grandparents. And let me tell you, <laughs> what <clears throat> a joy it is to <clears throat> visit, to live with your grandparents. Grandparent, grandparents. But this particular grandparents that he had, the grandpa was amazing. He... Let me tell you, he stayed away from his wife as much as he could because he knew what type of wife he had. Okay? He had three uncles that still lived at home. Yes, still lived at home. You had, first, before I even get into the uncles, you had the grandmother that thought, oh, her kids couldn't do no wrong at this grandmother chose her sons over her grandchildren. And let me tell you what kind of grandparents is that. I don't understand myself. But let me tell you, it is a crazy thing to have that happen. Unfortunately, my grandparents on my, well, my grandfather to my mom and my dad's side was already gone, but my grandmothers were still alive and they were sweet as they can be. They used to tell us right is right, wrong is wrong. The grandpa, he loved his family, he loved his, his wife and his kids, but he just felt like instead of arguing all the time, he just go and do his thing. Not cheating y'all, so get your mind together, but go tinker and, 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 and um, go drill or go cut grass. Just go and just have peace and quiet. So as he, Alton says, quote, three uncles lived with us at grandparents' house, Billy, David, and Steve. 
Uncle Billy was the youngest and moved in with Grandma and Grandpa after he got out of prison and had no place to live. He was about six foot tall, 230 pounds, and had every healthier chip on his shoulder. Uncle Billy only came to his came out of his room to use the restroom to get something to eat and only left the house when he had to go check in with his probation officer. Basically, Uncle Billy had exchanged one prison for another that he made of his own. Uncle Billy was married and his wife lived with the grandparents off and on. She only came over there when things was going good, but when they got to fighting and everything, she left. Then you had Uncle Dave, that's the oldest of the sons. Harmless, drunk. He could always find, you could always find him doing one of the three things. Drinking booze, reading the newspaper, and sharing his various conspiracies. Conspiracy theories, short, intelligent, and paranoid. He spent most of the morning watching the news and reading all the newspapers before drinking a daily consumption of alcohol. Unlike Uncle Bill, Uncle David cared little about what he looked like. See, Uncle Billy was dressed to the T and, you know, had to be creased out. Y'all know how to even y'all in prison. Y'all got to be looking on point. Shoes got to be shined and everything. You can't be coming up and attacking, but you know what? Uncle David didn't care. He did not care what he looked like. He was mismatched and everything. He did not care. And that's terrible that you don't care about your appearance at all. Then, then, there were two Uncle Steve's. But the Uncle Steve that we see about in this book is the abusive Uncle Steve. Quote, he says, Uncle Steve was about six foot, 180 pounds, intelligent and vain. He sported a handlebar mustache that curled up into his nostrils. There were two, two Uncle Steve's. One was fun and the other was downright mean as I was to learn the hard way. End quote. So, Living at grandpa and grandma's house might have been fun, but them uncles were something else. Well, two of them was. But that Uncle Steve, he was very abusive because he thought that Alton was a sissy because he cried a lot. He was very more emotional than the rest of the siblings. And the rest of the siblings just took their abuse and kept it moving. But Alton, he was like, oh no, baby, I'm not supposed to do all that. You're not supposed to abuse me. He got tired of being abused, got tired of being a, his Uncle Steve making them drink alcohol at nighttime when the grandparents was asleep. He got tired of his Uncle Steve making him going on the street to bustle and everything like that. He got tired of that. He got tired of doing the bad things wrong to people. So he was like, forget this, I'm not doing it no more. And he stood up for himself. It came with a price, but he did it. His Uncle Steve got so mad at him and kicked, pushed him down the stairs and kicked him in his ribs, his head, and was beating him. He got tired of it. He made his way up them stairs and into his grandparents' room and grabbed the phone and dialed 911. And then shot out the back door. And when he did, the police was coming up the driveway. He hid. Finally came out and ran to the police car. The police went there and knocked on the door and the grandmother came to the door. You know them grandmothers and their moo-moos. 
them old-fashioned grandmothers and them moo-moos and them bandanas around their head and them aprons because they probably was in the kitchen cooking. She came to the door and, and the police asked for her son, Stevie. She said, oh, uh-uh, he didn't do nothing wrong. Y'all for picking up on him, da 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 She wouldn't even let them in. But old baby, when that police officer told her what was going on, he said, move out my way. He walked up in there and he got that son of hers and took him on to jail. And that grandmother was hot, furious, and told him, don't you ever come back. Then she did her grandson wrong. She turned on her grandson that was being abused by her son and took her son's side. So, he was going from foster homes to this foster home to that foster home, but he got to a, a ranch called the Boys Ranch. And he went from town to town, Stillwater, Perkins, probably Perry, Cushion, Bowley, well, Bowley then Cushion, but it's just Boys Ranch, and all they were so excited and so sweet to see them. And Oh, you know, we're going to do good here and all this. But, oh, when the caseworker left, he stayed, set him down, and they had rules that they didn't even explain in front of the DHS worker. Why? Because they didn't want the DHS worker to know or the government to know how they was treating these kids. How they was making the kids call them mom and dad and how if you dropped anything, you messed up or did anything, you had to carry bricks, you had to do bear crawls, you had to run miles in the dirt roads or you had to go out in the woods and wander your way back to the house or fighting people like it's a, a boxing ring or an MMA match. Oh, he got tired of that. He was like, I'm shoot, uh-uh. But he stood up for himself there. He had to prove his point. When that ranch man, Brett, made him fight one of the boys there named Johnny. He's not going, I'm not, you're not going to punk me no more. Sometimes in life, we got to stand up for ourselves, not to be disrespectful in how you do it, but you still got to stand up for yourself as being a human being and, and for being who you are in God. <clears throat> After that, he got taken away, and then they got fired because it was mistreating the, the 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 young boys. And then he went back to the shelter and back in the I mean back and forth. Finally, he met this older couple in Bowley, Oklahoma. Shout out to Bowley. If y'all didn't know, Bowley was one of the towns that Bonnie and Clive was being chased through and shot at. But he met this older couple. They was very old in their 60s, and their last name was Johnson's. They had an old, raggedy house, and the windows was no good, and the paints was chipping off, and it just didn't look right. But you know what? They were sweet as they could be. They took him in. They loved him. And first day of school, first or, day, first or second day of school, he went. And being new there and shy and just not caring because, hey, he didn't know if he was going to be mistreated. He didn't know how they was going to treat him. Here come these punks walking up. One of the young men with the knife pulled it out and said, give me your wallet. I was like, okay. He took out the money and tossed it back to him with that knife and took off. Well, he went, go, he went to go tell Alton Toe. But the principal was so scared of these young punks and didn't do anything and said, made an excuse, oh, you know, he's living with his grandparents and they're trying to do the best they can, da 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 
he went and told the Mr. Johnsons and everything. I think it was the next day he got back to school. Someone had told him that same very young man that robbed him at night point for just for three to four dollars got shot and killed for breaking into someone's house. Like I said in the beginning, sometimes we gotta go through things in life just to get where we need to be in our future, in our present. Cause God will knock us down. God will take us through things in life to make us stronger and to make us be the person that he has ordained or orchestrated for us to be in the future. Well, he was just like, I, I can't stay here. I, I'm, I'm not doing good in school. I don't wanna be here. I don't want, I want to be with my family, but he knew how his family was. He knew them family wasn't no good. And yes, we got a lot of family like that today that just ain't no good, but you know what? We still love them and we still want to be around them, but they don't want to be around us. So what can we do? Except love them for a distance, and that's what he did. Different places again and all that. Well, then he moved to Cushion with Phil and Marcy. Phil, he had an upholstery business out of his garage, and Marcy helped him sometimes in the upholstery business in the garage. They had three other young boys there too that was in foster care. Two was younger, but one was 18 and getting ready to come out. But you know, they had their own thing they was doing. And Phil was kind of laid back, you know, just made you think, use that psychology on you. And Marcy, she was the motherly role because she was the mother. And at first he thought, you know, this wasn't gonna be good, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. Because he was so used to running from house to house and foster care from foster place. And it was just like, God, am I ever going to find anybody that loves me? He gets to school and everything. And yeah, you know, the new kids that get picked on. Well, he starts liking it because one teacher, she was real rough with him. I'm not going to show you no slack. You can do this. I'm not going to cower, cower down to you because, you know, you've been here, you've been there, or your background or your history. Uh-uh, I'm going to push you even harder. And that's what she did. She pushed him hard. Harder than what he has ever expected in life to be pushed. And it worked. She was in love with this young man because she saw potential in him. The principal saw potential in him. Well... He fit in. He went back home and when things was going rough because that uncle, that grandmother, things wasn't right, he called his foster dad, Phil, and Phil would be there for him. Marcia would be there for him. Johnny on the spot. He fell in love, y'all, with a young lady. Oh, there was so much in love. And yes, he lied because he told them that Phil and Marcy was his parents and he went to go meet her mom and her mom was military and was stern and from the point, the jump, she did not like him because of his background. But that didn't stop them too. But what did stop it is when she got deployed and had to relocate to London. Oh, he was devastated. She was devastated. When they moved, he contacted the young lady's grandparents and everything for her number and address, but the grandparents said no. He, they was not going to give it to her because of his background. They knew who he was. Well, time kept going on and on and at the deal, and he kept, you know, school, and he went back home to see his siblings. 
And the twins I told you about in the very beginning, the, the brother had asthma. And he had came home to visit his siblings and everything, and him and his older brother, LaBelle, was clowning, you know, teasing and hooran the twin brother and his friends started laughing at him because he had a big old Susan B. Anthony quarter patch mess out of his head. So, you know, they was teasing him and laughing at him. He got mad and started crying and ran into the house. And Alton and Lavelle, they felt bad afterwards, but they never did apologize. Well, he went home and I think it was the next day or the day after he got a phone call saying that his brother had died. He had a severe asthma attack. That night to killed him too. They, that, that tore him up so bad because he missed out on what apologizing to his brother for teasing him. He felt so bad. But no one came to get him for his brother's funeral. That thing that was even the worst part because I didn't tease him, I made fun of him, he died, but no one came to get me. He got his finally got his smile fixed and his braces put on and graduated from high school and on the football team, the track team, the baseball team. He did every kind of sport you can think of and, and, and he mastered it. Why? Because he pushed himself. He knew that, hey, if nobody else pushes me, I gotta push myself. Well, his grandfather was a referee and at his last game, when it started, you know, his grandpa was there and he thought his grandpa should have been like, hey, grandson, or hugging him or whatever, but he couldn't because he was professionally, because he was at the football game, he was a referee. And, and Alton didn't know why his grandfather didn't want to talk to him, why he didn't want to be interacting with him. And so he was fumbling the ball and just messing all up and that coach snatched him inside and said, hey, what is wrong? Snap out of it. Yes, we know that's your grandpa. Yes, we know that he, but he can't, he is a referee. He can't show favoritism. So Alton shook it off and he was going and he caught the ball and let me tell you, he was running and all the while behind him, he thought it was the the person that comes to tackle you to make to get the ball so they can make the other touchdown, the defense or whatever. It was, he turned around and looked, it was his grandpa running with him and he said that was the most exciting thing that he had ever felt and ever seen was his grandfather, his biggest cheerleader running beside him and made the touchdown. Yes, they lost the game, but you know what? His grandfather was there and he grandfather winked at him and after the game his grandfather was there and they walked to the truck and he said his grandfather never hugged he wasn't a hugger like I am I'm not a hugger I'll shake your hand well, he shook his hand and told him that he was so proud of him as being parents we don't know everything in life about our kids or just in life because kids didn't don't come with instruction manuals we have to learn from ourselves. We have to learn from trial and error. But at all the things that Alton had been through, he made it. He did get married and when he met his wife, he said, would you marry me? And I wanna have 10 kids. Well, <laughs> they got married, but they didn't have no 10 kids at that time. They had two sons, and he said he was still a young man. But let me tell you a little bit. He became a former police officer. Alton Carter is the director of a youth ministries for the First United Methodist Church of Stillwater, Oklahoma, and a graduate of Oklahoma State University, the father of two sons. He loves spending time with his family, working with youngsters and fishing. 
he makes his home in Stillwater with his wife and his sons. This is his first book. Y'all go check it out. Please, please, amazing, amazing. The Boy Who Carried Bricks. I could have told you a whole lot more about this book, but I want you to go read it for yourself because let me tell you, once you read the first chapter, actually the first page, it will tug at your heart. It will grab you. You know who I am. I am the tea teacher. I don't throw no shade, no tea, but I tell you what's real. My love is still the same, but my love to yours. Go check this out. Go check it out. Y'all have a great day. Thank you.